Good morning, church family. I'm thankful for your presence here today. So if you can't tell, and if you were asleep for the last, like, six months of the year, we had our VBS last week, and we thought we'd leave the decorations up today to show you um, how much fun we had. It was such a blast. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a VBS, but if you didn't get the chance uh, to help, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of a lot of work, but it is super fulfilling when you see kids just really excited and blossoming about Jesus and the gospel. It's amazing. And I know Alicia's nephews just begged uh, their mother that they could come back to VBS next year. And it's such a great feeling. And it's a lot of work, but it is totally worth it. And we had some really like superhero people step up this time. And I'm not going to mention any names, of course. <coughs> Kim Purcell, um, <coughs> Will Baker. Uh, but, I mean, just people stepped up and put all their energy and time, and we had a blast. So thank you, not only... Um, to those two individuals that I, that I mentioned, but to all the, the people who volunteered, who taught and did crafts and games, uh, we had a really awesome experience. So our scripture reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Now, I don't know if you remember not, um, but I've mentioned Murray Bowen. He's a sociologist. I'm a fan of his society regression theory. Now, that seems kind of weird to be a fan of society regression, but it's really, I just, I think it's true. That's why I'm a fan of it. Um, not really a fan of societal regression, but I think his theory is true. So, when the theory says, when anxious, when anxiety and uncertainty are present, in a society, then it shows up in a negative way in the behavior of the people. So when there's anxiety and uncertainty, divorce rates go up. Uh, moral failures in leadership rises. Crime rates go up. Race relations disintegrate. And so forth. I mean, you get the idea. Well, guess what? We live in an anxious and uncertain Society, all you got to do is turn on the news at night, right? And you hear it, and you see it loud and clear. And if the news isn't discouraging enough for you, one of the side effects to living in a society where we're self-focused, okay, I, I talked about this last week, how we're self-focused, and it's really not new information. You know all about selfies and all that. We live in a self-focused society. One of the side effects of that is we have become this country full of judges. We all are critical and we all judge one another. I mean, after all, we get to decide who the winner of American Idol is, right? It's the fan vote. We get to be the judge from our living rooms. And we can have it our way at Burger King. We're used to being judges. And so it's natural for us to be critical of other people. And when our contestant doesn't win, you know, we complain about it online, uh, we protest about it, and we think, you know, he wasn't really the winner. Just these stupid people 
made him the winner, right? Same thing with our political elections. If the, if the guy we voted for doesn't win, he's not my president. Right? That's how we, that's how we operate. Our opinion is sovereign. The individual's opinion is sovereign in today's society. So, if our president doesn't win, my opinion is more important, though he's not my president. So what's it like to live in a culture where everybody's a judge? One word. Discouraging. It's discouraging. I mean, it's like we have to put on a performance every day, isn't it? Every day we're subject to criticism. In fact, statistics show that for each word of encouragement the average American receives, he or she receives six words of discouragement. That's not good, folks. To live in a society where words of discouragement outnumber words of encouragement six to one? Are you kidding me? The last week, I talked about how the church should exist to be a counterculture. Right? To be a breath of fresh air in a polluted world. And church, we need to be encouragers. We need to be the place where encouragement outweighs discouragement. But I'm afraid that we might be in trouble. That we kind of take on some of the traits of the world around us. And for whatever reason, we are critical of one another. How many discouraging words do you use about here compared to how many encouraging words do you use? And gossip counts, you know. When you talk about somebody while they're not present in a discouraging way, that counts as words of discouragement. So all that just facilitates and fosters this culture of discouragement and criticism and anxiety and uncertainty. How would your relationships change here if you committed to only saying words of encouragement about one another and avoiding words of discouragement at all costs? How would things change? I would imagine they could only get better. Now, I'm a realist, okay? I know we're not perfect, but maybe we can take that six to one ratio and make it six words of encouragement for every one word of discouragement. I think that would be a good goal. I think big changes could occur if that was the case. If that was the case, I have a, uh, a video. It's actually a commercial that I want to show you right now that I think will help motivate you to be an encourager. Okay, check this out. Say it with me, say it with me. Here we go. Let's go, insurers and justice. Let's go. Grill. Let's go, insurers and justice. Let's $80. Go. Cut that meat. Sandwich. Cut that meat. Six dollars. Cut that meat. Gas. And it's four. Nine dollars. You're my favorite accountant. Tommy, please. Scotty, please. Say my fancy team. You're my favorite worker. Fans. Yes. Woo. Priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Yeah, okay. Never going to wash his head. Right here, look at that. Everybody 
needs some encouragement in this world, right? There's nobody here that doesn't need encouragement. Mother Teresa once said, Kind words can be short and easy, but their echoes are truly endless. A word of encouragement can really go a long way. In high school, I ran the 800-meter run or race in, in track. 800 meters. And, you know, I was okay. I, I didn't really care about it as much as my dad and, and my brother, so I kind of underperformed. But there was one race. It was the, the league championship race. And with 200 meters left to go, I was in second place. And the kid in first place was probably about 20 meters ahead. And right at that point in the race, with 200 meters to go, my brother, my older brother, was standing right next to the track. And when I passed by, right at that moment, my brother said, John, you can take him. Do it right now. Go. And that is all the encouragement I needed. By the time we hit the final straightaway, I had passed him. And I won the league championship in the 800 meter that year. Now, before you stand up and applaud, but you know... Know that this was the Great Golden Plains League in South Central Kansas. You know, six very small schools competing against one another. I really had no business losing the race. (laughs) But, however, to this day, I know with 100% certainty that without those words of encouragement, I would have gotten second place in that race. I never would have gotten first place. What it took was just a few words of encouragement. That's all. And that is the power of encouragement. It actually changes future outcomes. It changes lives. It changes people's situations. It changes what seems impossible and makes it possible. The power of encouragement. It's like a superhuman power. Except everybody here can use it. You all have the ability to use this superhuman power that changes people's lives. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just human nature or what it is, but we tend to be discouragers instead of encouragers. What a gift it would be if we offered one another words of encouragement all the time. But we look for ways to criticize and discourage. Because we're judges. We're American voters. And we like to criticize. The Apostle Paul knew quite a bit about the power of encouragement. That's why he used it an awful lot. Just look at the, the book of Second Thessalonians. In chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, Paul says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you to his kingdom of glory. Chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, We sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Skip ahead to chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. Christ died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, 
we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of good old-fashioned encouragement. And I think that Paul understood that mutual encouragement is for the church what logs are for a fire. It's the fuel that keeps us going, that keeps us energized and engaged. Now, doesn't the world need a place like that? I mean, can you imagine what it was like if it was just standard practice where we get encouraged every time we're together? Can you imagine the foothold that the Holy Spirit would have in that kind of environment? The, the room for the Holy Spirit to operate where everybody's encouraging one another. Man, the Holy Spirit would just really set us on fire. All those logs, all that fuel for the fire. Mutual encouragement is what makes the church go. Gives us energy, a joyful attitude. Just look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Now, that's pretty important. See to it that nobody has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. That's pretty important. What is Paul's remedy? But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The remedy for sin and unbelief is daily encouragement. Now, how foreign does daily encouragement sound in a world of daily discouragement? Can you imagine daily encouragement? And you know, let's be honest, it can be hard to encourage others. You know, when you're surrounded by a group of imperfect people who maybe get on your nerves a little bit, of course, I'm not talking about here at church, I'm talking about, you know, in the workplace and at school, at church, we're all, you know, we're all perfect here. We don't get on each other's nerves here, right? But it can be hard to be an encouragement when you're surrounded by imperfect people who do things differently than you, who think differently than you, who have maybe different political views than you or different background. It's actually much easier to think discouraging thoughts and have discouragement in your hearts. But we need to be adamant about being encourager. Because if the church isn't an encouragement, nobody's going to find it anywhere. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you have a couple takeaways already from this lesson. Um, encouragement is the remedy of the soul. That's a good takeaway. 
I want to give you two final takeaways from this verse right here. First is why we meet together like we do. Why do we get up early and come to church on a Sunday morning while many others are sleeping in or doing something for their personal enjoyment? Maybe they're at the lake right now. Whatever it is. Why do we come to this room together and do what we do? Well, it's to worship God, right? That's why we come here to church, is to worship God. Well, you know, you could, you could probably just as easily worship God in your closet at home. You could worship God anytime, anywhere. But Paul says, when we don't meet together like this, we miss out on that energy, that engagement, that mutual encouragement that is so important. And we're walking around, you know, just barely with a spark. Just that fire is just barely going on if we don't meet together like this. When we meet together, it's like throwing another log on the fire. It's that mutual encouragement. You can worship God in your closet, but where's that mutual encouragement? It only comes when we meet together like this. It's that horizontal element of love that comes into play. You can do that vertical element anytime, but we need that horizontal element as well. So the primary reason we meet together is to encourage one another. There's a takeaway for you today. The final takeaway is this. You have to make an intentional effort to look and listen for ways that you can be an encouragement to somebody. The legendary college basketball coach, John Wood, he won, I don't know how many championships with UCLA, like 12 in a row or something like that. One of the things that he said that was key to his success was he would catch his player doing something right and encourage them. I like that. You know, catch your players doing something right. Catch your brothers and sisters doing something right and encourage them. You must actively be on the lookout for something specific to encourage. Paul says, let us consider... You know, we got to think about this. we got to think creatively. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We have to pay attention to people. You have to engage with people. You have to build relationships. And then you think, okay, I'm getting to know more about this person. How can I be an encouragement to them? How can I tell them that they are important to this church family? How can I tell them that we wouldn't be the same without you and that they would be missed if they weren't here. That's your job. That is your job as a church member to look for ways to encourage, specific ways to encourage one another. And if you don't do your job, the work doesn't get get done, right? So if you don't do your job, somebody might be running in second place who could be in first place. All they need is a little bit of encouragement. And they could move from one situation to the next. I think we especially 
need to be encouraging to our guests and those who are new here at church. Can you imagine? Let me put it another way. How would you feel if you visited a church and at the end a fight broke out in the lobby over who was going to take you to lunch that day? I think that would be an encouragement to me. And if it was in their home, that would be even better. You see, there's something special about meeting in somebody's home. That's when life-changing experiences occur, especially in a church. That's why small groups that meet in homes together, they can be so life-changing and dynamic. There's just something special about meeting in someone's home. That's what happened with Alicia and I. You know, about four years ago, we were kind of doing some church shopping. We didn't know where we were going to go to church. But somebody from this church invited us to their home. We had dinner together. And that was it. That was all there was to it. We were home. Meeting in our homes, hospitality, is a game changer. Here's something else to consider. Make it a rule at the end of the at the end of church services that for the first 15 minutes you don't talk to your friends, your best friend. Okay? You can talk to your friends anytime you want. But there are people here where this is going to be your only opportunity for you to see them and to talk to them. And even more importantly, some people here This is going to be their only chance in the whole week for them to talk to another Christian. And they need to talk to you. They just need to chat a little bit. That little chat will go a long ways for them and their week. So, encouragement is the remedy for the soul. we got to meet together, not just to worship, but for mutual encouragement. And you must pay close attention to look for specific ways how you can encourage someone else. Can you imagine what it could be if we were truly encouragers in a discouraging world? What a breath of fresh air in the pollution that's all around us. There are many of us here that could move from second place to first place. Or maybe you're, you feel like you're in fifth place and you could move into fourth place or third place. But you're actually underperforming. You don't know you're underperforming, but you might be. And all you need is just a little encouragement and you move up. You improve your situation. You know, when your campfire starts to go out, you throw another log on the fire. When that fire inside, when it's starting to go dim, and you're you're doubting, and you're losing hope, the place to be is among your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need that more than just once a week. We need that, you know, up to daily. That's what they did in the original church. Paul says daily encouragements is the remedy for the soul. So where do we go from here? Well, how many of you, let me see a show of hands, how many of you have ever confessed for not being an encourager? 
I doubt there's anybody here that's ever confessed for not being an encourager. And it's because we don't put a priority on being an encouragement to one another. We don't see it as that important. That's just encouragement. It's not important. But encouragement, it's a, it's a game changer. Everybody needs encouragement. So maybe you've committed the sin of not being an encourager. It's a sin. And you need to change. You need to repent and become an encourager. Start, you know, changing the script, flipping the script. Six words of discouragement to one word of encouragement. Let's make it six words of encouragement for every quarter of a word of discouragement. Okay? we got to change that ratio. So I'm going to encourage you today to be an encouraging encourager. Okay? Does that encourage you? If you're not a Christian, I'm going to encourage you to be a part of God's family of encouragers. Confess Christ as Son of God. Put on Christ in baptism. And you can start being an encouragement to us. So we're going to sing a song. We usually call it the invitation song. I'm going to call it the encouragement song today. If you feel encouraged to become a Christian or to confess that you haven't been an encourager, whatever you're encouraged to do, you can come sit on the front row during this encouragement song. Let's be standing and sing.